praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. All right, we thank God for this. It's been a wonderful one in the presence of the Lord. I pray that uh, the few times that is left, the Lord will bless us in abundance in the name of Jesus. All right, I'll be sharing with us uh, on the theme, taking bold and, bold and confident steps. And um, my topic for this evening is planning your success. Planning your success. Planning your success. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful privilege to share your word tonight. We ask that the entrance of your word will give light and give understanding to simple. In Jesus' name, amen. The text I've been given is taken from Luke chapter 14, verse 28 to 30, and I'll be reading in the King James Version. It says, For which, for which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish, or who sees it begins to mock him, saying, began to build and was not able to finish. I'm sure all of us are familiar with as men. I, I, I used to go to an Anglican church, and they take pride in the fact that it took them 35 years to build a sanctuary. No, and they rejoice in that. That's not a good testimony. And um, we need to um, look at life from the perspective of the fact that Sorry. All right, so we, we need to look at life from the perspective from the perspective that we as men need to succeed. I don't know whether you've ever thought about it. Your success, the success of so many other people depends on your own success as my as men. You know, your wife, your children, our relatives and people that are hanging around you who are waiting to see you succeeding so that they can get to their place in destiny. Now, everyone who is looking at succeeding under God must be born again. I just want to put that as, as a background. You must be born again. Because when we're talking about planning your success under God, it is not the same thing as planning your success in the world. It's not the same thing. So we're looking at it from a different scenario entirely. Now, if you go for management meetings or, or, or business management meetings and they're talking about succeeding, they may not likely say the things I'm going to say this evening. They may not likely tell that because success is, is not the same thing in the, in the kingdom and in the world. It's not the same thing. So if you're talking about success in the church, you must be born again. And not only born again, you must be spirit-filled. They're very important. I'm, I'm going to be repeating some of the things that Pastor Uzo said and Pastor Sinai said, but it will be for the purpose of emphasis. So you need to understand that that I'm, I'm talking to people who have given their lives to Christ, who have made up their mind to succeed. And I like us to understand that. We, we need to understand that, that we need to be born again because 
the, the measures of, um, of success in the world and in the kingdom are not the same. Now, success in the world, success in the world is the state of achieving what you want or and having been trying to do or get. So when you are successful in the world, it's, this, it's a state of having, achieving what you want. You know, it's a, it's, it is also a state of becoming rich or famous or getting high social position. That, that's the standard of success of the world. Now, for those of us that are born again, when we're talking about success, it's not the same thing. Success in the kingdom, success in the kingdom is finding the plan of God for your life and pursuing it and fulfilling it. I'll say that again. Success in the kingdom is finding the plan of God for your life, pursuing it and fulfilling it. Um, all of you will agree with me that John the Baptist was a successful man. Anybody against that? John the Baptist was a successful man. If you believe, say amen. Yeah. Amen. He was a successful man. Now, if you look at it from the perspective of the world, John the Baptist never married. He didn't have children. He didn't, live, he didn't have a house. The Bible says he was living in a bush. He didn't have clothes. He wore camel skin and a belt. I don't know whether you've ever pictured what that cloth will look like. It's like they skin a camel, put a hole around it, put it on his neck, and bring it down, and he ties a belt around his waist. That was his cloth. The Bible says it's, it's, it's food. He wasn't eating in a five-star hotel. His food was locust and honey. In Mark chapter 1, the Bible describes it this way. It says, now John was clothed with a camel hair and with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. He was, he was in the bush all the way through. Yet, you and I will say he was a successful man. Why are we defining him as a successful man? He knew the purpose of God for his life. He came as a forerunner for Jesus. He showed Jesus to the people that cared to know. He told them clearly that my assignment it says, it says in verse 7 of Mark chapter 1, it says, And a preach saying, There is one, there comes one after me, who is mightier than I, whose sanders trap I am not worthy to stoop down to lose. He showed them who Jesus was. And then after a while, his assignment was over. Same thing as Apostle Paul. All of us will agree that Apostle Paul was a successful man. But you know that he lived a major part of his life after he got saved in prisons, from one prison to the other. Yet, we refer to him as a successful man. So what I'm trying to establish, first of all, is for us to understand very well there's a difference between success in the kingdom and success in the world. And if you're trying to measure your success as a believer with the people of the world, then you missed it. You missed it. You just missed it completely. The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Luke 12, 15, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. 
So when, when the people of the world are measuring their success by what they possess, we that have come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the measure of our own success is what did God call you to do? Did you find it out? Are you doing it? At this point, I want to ask a simple question. How many of us, you don't have to raise up your hands, just, how many of us can confidently say, you can confidently say, I am doing what God has called me to do? How many of us can confidently answer that question and say, what I am doing right now is exactly what God called me to do? And it's something that you should give a very deep thought. If you cannot answer categorically, yes, then you need to give it a thought. Some of us might be saying, oh, it's too late. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't begin to find the purpose of God at this age. It's not too late. It's not too late. I know a man back in Lagos who found the purpose of God at 70 and died at 84. I think it was the last 14 years was the most fulfilling one in his life. It's a question we need to ask ourselves. Am I really right in the center of the will of God for my life? Tonight, I'd like to just put emphasis on one thing, and I add about five or that six points. I'm going to give you about seven points, but the first one is the most important one, which is what um, Pastor Uzo stressed so much this morning. Number one thing I'd like to share with us in planning your success is you need to find out the plan of God for your life. You need to find out the plan of God for your life. You, as an individual, you have to find out the plan of God for your life. And it is not something you'll find out in a hurry. It's not something you can find out overnight. To know God's will, it's very, very important as Christians. We just must find out what is the will of God for our lives. God is going to prosper all of us, but he will do it in different ways. In this kingdom, you can't afford to copy. You don't do things because your best friend is doing it. You don't get involved in something because someone else is doing it. You know, in, in Nigeria where I live, the, this, the, the, the latest thing now is everybody is trying to move out of Nigeria to look for a better and a greener pastor where they can't have a better life. One of my members in my church came to me one Sunday morning and said, I'm traveling. And I said, to where? He mentioned one island down, down South Africa. I, I said, has it gone that bad? I said, what currency do they spend in that place? He said, rupees, Indian money. He said, yeah, but it's stronger than the currency we have in this country. I said, so how did you get to this? He said, I just got tired and I think I should move out. Things don't work that way. You don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't do things in this kingdom out of frustration. You do it like our pastor was saying because there's a leading. I preached a sermon some times ago and as the topic of the sermon was, who told you? that this decision you are taking, who told you? Getting similar to what our pastor preached in the morning. He said, connect with the headquarters and find out what they're saying. A young lady traveled, not for my church, but someone I know very well. 
sold everything they have so that they can relocate to, to the UK. Herself, her husband, and her children. And then when they got there, just close to what Pastor was saying this morning, when they got there, things were difficult for them, very difficult. You see, at that point, she went to pray. I said, when I was praying, God said to her, what are you doing here? She said, he didn't understand the question. So she called me. I said, very simple question. What are you doing here? You're in the wrong location. She said, so pastor, what do I do now? I said, come back home. He said, it's not possible that we sold everything to be here. I said, well, so stay there and find out what next God wants to do with you. That was the last I heard from her. You don't take decisions in this kingdom because it's favorable. You don't take decisions in this kingdom because others are doing it and they're succeeding in it. You, as an individual, have to go out there and find the plan of God for your life. In the book of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, and I want to read the message translation. In the Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, God is speaking here. He says, I know what I am doing. I have it all planned out. Plan to take care of you and not to abandon you. Plan to give you the future you hope for. Now God is saying, I have it all planned out. All planned out. It is not when you came that they're trying to find something for you. They have it all planned out. Now, I work in the building industry. And um, I understand that very well. When an architect gives you a drawing, the expectation is that a build as shown on this drawing. They give you a two dimension, they give you a three dimension, and they want it to build as drawn. If you want to, if you want to get them to be angry with you or to, or to seek their rod, change what they've drawn. And then they, you, you, just, you just see them at, at the worst element. Now, if architects get angry because they design something and you are building something else, I know God may not be angry with you, but at least I can tell you he's not pleased with you. He wants you to come to find out the plan that he has for your life. Unfortunately, this is not something that someone can do for you. Uh, and you, you can, and I know most of us are married here, we love our wives, but you cannot come and sit down and be finding out the plan of God for your wife. She has to go to God by herself. You can have an idea. You can, you can, I try to do that for my children to find out what God wants them to do. But it's one thing for you to find out, it's another thing to make them do it. Praise the Lord. There are, there are people who, on this life journey, even when the pastors, the people around them are saying, I think we should go this way. They don't like people telling them what to do. So what, what happens? They, they have to go through it and find out themselves. When they get to a roadblock, then they turn around. And then come and meet you and say, okay, so what were you saying the other time? <laughs> now we, we see that a lot. We see that a lot. And so God has it all planned out. To fulfill God's plan is to first of all find out what God created you for. It's, it's, a, it's a big task, but it's, it's an achievable task. And I'm encouraging everybody under the sound of my voice this evening that if you cannot categorically say, I am doing what God has called me to do, 
then you need to create time to do this. You know, I, 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 I lectured for about four years in my life. And um, there's something we do as lecturers. When you set questions, you also set the marking scheme. And the marking scheme is not based on what another author says. It's based on what you say as a lecturer. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes, let me make you laugh. I don't know how true that was, but I had this joke some time ago. Now they gave a student a question to write about Jesus. And then he got to the example and started by saying, who am I to write about my Lord and Savior? I would rather write about Apostle Peter. And started writing about Peter. And then he wrote pages about Peter. Of course, you know what the answer will be. Now, now, life, life, life to all of us has a marking scheme for the for the for the for the wilderness of life that we're traveling in. But listen, the marking scheme is not in your hands. It's in the hands of God. And that's why He gave you the plan. So He has the questions and He has the answer to the issues of life. People go to difficult terrains because they find it they find it uncomfortable to follow the plan of God for their lives. Some are not even willing to settle down to find out what God is trying to say. It is, it is not possible for you to have peace and to have joy when you are doing what you like to do. Neither will you have satisfaction if you are doing what you want to do. So the first thing you need to do one of the things you need to understand tonight to succeed is that I must find the plan of God for my life. A lot of people are born again. I will not deny that. Virtually all of us here, I think all of us here are born again. But can you say, I am doing what God wants me to do? Are you doing what God wants you to do? Jeremiah 1 5. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. God was speaking to Jeremiah. To, 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 he said, before I formed you in your mother's, before I formed you in the womb, he said, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So the assignment that God has for you, it has nothing to do with the skill you develop when you get to this earth. God, that gave you the plan, and giving you the ability and the skill to achieve them even before you come. That's why you see where, 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 where we, may, we may look alike, yeah, but we have diverse kind of gifts, diverse kind of callings, you know. That's why some people come here, they sing very well. You try to sing, you know, I will not forget. I mean, they say, well, my, my choir master said I'm better now. Some years ago, he says to me, Pastor, we, we, we keep following you on different keys. You keep jumping from. And I told him, I said, I don't even understand what you call this key in the first case. I just think, you know, so, so we, we, we are not carved out for the same thing. And that's why don't, don't admire another person who is good at what they're called to do. You need to find out what they call you to do. And then when you find it, because the ability is in you, created with you, when they give you the plan, it becomes very easy. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have to find up or develop that, that plan. You, you find up that ability, you develop that ability. Sometimes you need to go to school. Sometimes you need to learn a trade. Sometimes you need to get at something so that you can be good at it. 
But because the ability is in you based on the plan of God for your life, it becomes very easy for you. If you look at this Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, it will clearly show to you that the Lord does not depend on our talent and our ability to give us a plan. He gives us a plan because we have the ability inherent on the inside of us. We are formed with his plan and ability already in us at the time of birth. Paul had a similar encounter too. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 15, he says, But when he pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, to reveal his son to me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I, I did not immediately confer. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. So, what am I trying to say to us this evening? For us to succeed, we must find the plan of God. Carnal things cannot show you the plan of God. I know people go for personality tests, IQ tests, and all those tests. It doesn't show you the plan of God. It might show you how smart you are, but you don't reveal the plan of God to you. That's why I say there's no comparison between success in the kingdom and success in the world. No, no comparison. No comparison. No comparison. That you're wealthy, have a lot of money. Well, in our eyes, you may look successful, but in the eyes of God, it may not be. And even the people that have money that we admire, sometimes we need to, we need to, we need to do it with a pinch of salt. You know, I was privileged some years ago when I used to do core construction. Some years ago, I was sitting with one of the maybe one of the first three or four richest men in our country, and uh, we were discussing and. Um, I don't know, we just went off the project we were talking about, and then he talked about sleeping. And then I said to him, I don't have a problem with sleeping. I saw him move at the end of his chair. He said, you don't have a problem with sleeping? I said, no, sir. Once I get to my bed, I sleep off. Five minutes, ten minutes. And he looked at me, he said, you're lucky. I said, how, sir? <laughs> he said, if you know how many tablets I take before sleep can come, and even at that, I can't sleep more than two or three hours. I wish I can trade this, what I have, for what you have. I said, me and you. <laughs> Collect your money. And then, and then you give me sleepless night. <laughs> you know, so sometimes when we look at people and we say they are rich, yeah, they may be rich in one area, but what we have, honestly, what we have, the Bible says give his beloved sound sleep. I don't know about you, but I don't have any trouble sleeping. You know, the only problem I have is that uh, for me to sleep, I must eat. <laughs> so <laughs> if if I want to stay awake and pray, I just I just I just skip dinner, and I can be awake till two three a.m. You know, praise the Lord. So when somebody says they're successful, are you admiring them? The question I want to pass across to you is: Can you trade what you have for what they have? If you cannot, stop admiring them. They're not better than you. So, it takes, uh, it takes me to the next point, which the next three or four things I'll say is still based on finding out the plan of God. And the next thing I want to tell you is we need to cultivate the habit of seeking God. We need to cultivate the habit of seeking God. 
In the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, 29 verse 13. You know, people run away with 11. Uh, they say, I know the plan of God. I know what God is saying to me. I know the thought of, of plans of God is for good and not of evil. But he told us how to achieve that in verse 13. He says, and you shall seek me. He said, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with heart. All your heart, all your heart. When you search for me, all your heart. You know. So the responsibility of finding out the plan of God comes is is given to us in the place of seeking God. In the place of seeking God. If you think that is cheap, try it out. God wants us to know Him. So to know the plan of God is not what happens accidentally. It doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen by chance. For it to be the plan of God, it, it comes by seeking God, looking for God. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Now, in the book of Luke chapter 15, verse 8 to 10, I will not be reading it because of my time. You know, Luke 15, 8 says, Or oh, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp? No, those are very significant, but I'm not teaching all those ones tonight. Does not light a lamp? Don't forget, the Bible says the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He said, somebody seeking for one coin. The first thing she does is what? Light a lamp. The second thing is sweep the house and search carefully until what? She finds it. So when we're talking about the plan of God, it is not something we do and abandon. It's not something we say, well, Lord, you know, I'm trying. I have prayed for three days. Nothing has happened. No, he doesn't work that way. And then when you're ever seeking God for his plan, he doesn't, he doesn't mean he will unfold everything at once to you. He just get it in bits and in pieces. And then you keep moving on, you keep moving on. As you follow, then he goes on. You know, the Bible says, if you lose a coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the floor, and search carefully. You know, and, and that's, that's one area of our lives which as men, I would like us to work on, to create time to seek God. You know what, what, what our pastor did this morning when he said we should be quiet before the Lord. I don't know how many of us does that in a, how many of us do that in a private closet that you pray. Prayer is a dialogue, but most of the time we are turning to a monologue. We just tell God everything we want to say and then we are on our way to walk. You know, he was the one that taught me that, and um, we practice, I practice as a person. We practice in church. We, we, we finish praying, and we are quiet before the Lord for minutes. We're, we're trying to get to hours. It, it's encouraging because people come back and they say, oh, God said this, God said that. Sometimes we are quiet in church, and then while we're quiet, the move of God starts without saying anything. Just people screaming there, screaming there, falling here, falling there. We, we, we need to learn it. We need to give room for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in our lives. They've been quiet before the Lord. After he told me that, I read a book of a pastor, a popular pastor in the country. He said to me, he said, in my house I have a thinking room. He said, where I just lay before God to hear what God wants to say. Everybody must create that time. You may not have a room for that where you do that, but at least I, I, I enjoy doing that in the night, where it's quiet. Sometimes I sleep off, no doubt. 
But sometimes I'm just laying there trying to hear what God is saying. You need to understand the place of seeking God. One of the areas of our lives that will bring profit to us is to have a close. You know, in my church, I told them, I says, there's what we call a CPI relationship. To have a close, personal, intimate relationship with God. You must get to that point. Close one, personal. It is not you and your wife, it's not you and your friend. You and God alone. It will be close, personal, and intimate. It's a desire. As long as you have that, as, and if you don't strive to have that desire, you may not hear God as often as you should do. You may be, you may be walking on chances, you may be walking on guesswork, you may be walking on what others have found out from God that they're trying to do. And sometimes we run into trouble in doing that. There are some things that when God tells you, seeking for cancer from men may confuse you. I'll give you an example. When, when, when our pastor relocated to the U.S., I was associate pastor there in Nigeria. And of course, leadership of the church fell on me. And the Lord said to me after he left, he says, I used to do big time construction with a partner, I have a farm. And the Lord said, cut off from your partner. Come and sit down at the back of this church and pastor this church for me. Now, our business has the consultancy part and then the construction part. It says, take the consultancy part, come and sit down behind this church and pastor the church for me. I said, Lord, where will I put my signboard? Say, you don't need a signboard. I, I, I got confused. I've never had a thing like that before. I know there are full-time pastors and there are part-time pastors, but I'm more full-time, I'm more part-time. Bring your business to the back of the church, do it from this church office. I, I asked a few people, the more I asked questions, the more they confused me. So I went back to God and I said, and the Lord said to me, my instruction is simple. Cut off from your partner, take the consultancy part of the business, sit behind this office and pastor this church for me. He was my best for two years. The 14 years I did that was my best 14 years. Because now, I don't have to look for a job. I mean, it's a long story. But what happened is that a company came from Abuja. They don't, they don't have an office in Lagos, and they want to do construction in Lagos, and they needed somebody who could help them. So they look for the job. They pursue the job. I just help them manage the job on paper. They collect the money, and they pay me 2.5% of every contract. I did that for 14 years. Now, some things just require you and God. Men will confuse you. you. You need to understand the place of seeking God. So we seek God to know his plan for our lives. Any attempt to run our lives by ourselves is it, it, heading for a disaster. And like Pastor was saying, Pastor Uzo was saying this morning, you don't even know what will happen next, next week, talk clubs of next year. But when you talk to God, you have a good chance to do this. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, it says there's a way that seemeth right in the sight of a man. He said, but the end of that way is death. That death does not mean physical death. It could mean sickness, it could mean calamity, it could mean poverty, it could mean so many other things, you know? So part of the plan of the devil is to either get you not to find the plan of God or when you find the plan of God, it gives you a division. 
double vision. It tries to give you another thing, plus what God has given you. And what's the incitation to confuse you? Sometimes you need to pursue two things at the same time. Most of the time, you pursue things at the same time, you end up losing the two. So there's a need. What we're talking about is very, very important. The need to seek God, to know what God wants to do in your life. And again, I ask you this question. Can you categorically say that I know what God, that what I'm doing now is what God wants me to do? So, moving forward. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he said, But as it's written, eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. If you stop reading your Bible at that point, you will say it is difficult to know what God has said. You say, oh, a man cannot know the plan of God for his life. But if you go to the next verse, verse 10, it says, but God, but God, when you say but, you need to go and read what is ahead. He said, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. But God has revealed them to us. He said, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. So, so God relates with us when we seek him by revelation. By revelation. He reveals them to us through our spirit. It's a spirit to spirit what? Communication. And it's, it's doable. That's why I said, I started by saying, when we talk about success in the kingdom, you must be born again, number one, and you must be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if you are not, how do you relate with God to find out the plan of God for your life so that you can move on with it? So we seek God so that he can reveal things to us. So when somebody tells you that the things of God cannot be, cannot be known, it is not possible. You can know the plan of God for your life. You can. You can. And it, it may not be a total package. It might be moving from one place. I mean, if you were hearing the testimony of our pastor Tolu this morning, moved from one place, Lome, to Ghana, from Ghana to, to the Philippines, from Philippines to Mexico. That's how God operates. But, but you need to be sure. Because sometimes I'm wondering, how did he know he's supposed to move? By revelation. Amen. Because if you're trying to move by what you see, by circumstances, you get confused. The fact that it's good, that means it's God. It can be good and God may not be in it. And guess what? The fact that it's rough does not mean God is not in it. Stay there. So, so it is not something you operate by sight. It is something you operate by what you have heard. So it is possible to know the things of God by our spirit, especially the plan of God for our lives in the now and in the future. There's something I call samples revelation. You can know some things in the now, you can also do things in the future. And sometimes God tells you some things that give you a sign or that gives you, not a sign, that gives you a knowledge that as long as this has not happened, no other thing can happen. I'll give you an example. In the book of Luke chapter 22, verse 25, it was a, a theme some year, the story was about theme. It says, Luke 2, 25, he said, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was a just and devout, waiting for the constitution of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit 
that he will not see death before he has seen the Lord Christ. I'm sure you know that story very well. And then, and then one day, baby Jesus was brought to the temple and he saw. And he's not a prophesy. Now, see, see where I'm going. Sometimes you have this kind of revelation. I, I call it signpost revelation in, in the kingdom. Now, they say, he will not see death until I see the Lord Jesus. So you can imagine if Simon was in a plane, and the plane was moving in different directions, bad turbulent, everybody was screaming. What did happen to him? He order for coffee, or order for tea, or to drink, because he has not seen Jesus. So he can't die. He can't die. He has not seen Jesus. So there are some things that God revealed to you like that to your life. If you seek him, he will tell you, this is going to happen. That has not happened, so the next thing cannot happen. Praise the Lord. And these things come by seeking God. The next thing I want to say to us is, the next point is, keep seeking God. <laughs> keep seeking God. You want to know the plan of God? Keep seeking him. Seeking God is not a one-off thing. It's not a one-off thing. Yeah, and, and, and that's why I'm encouraging all the men that I have said, let it become a way of life as one tonight. Create time for God. I know, I know you live in America, you are far busy than those of us that live in Nigeria, but create time. Create time to seek God. So my, my next point is keep seeking God. It's not a one-off thing. What God wants to do in your life keeps changing and progressing. It keeps changing and progressing. Don't take decisions based on your head knowledge. Uh, our brother was sharing testimony, wanted to move to Texas. Thank God for wonderful pastors who can at least guide you. Say, so don't go. Don't go. Don't go. In fact, sometimes I wonder how people relocate to a place and they don't do enough investigation to find out whether there's a good church in that place. People don't consider that way they're moving out. They don't. It's, it's on the priority. Is it a good shot that will feed your spirit man when you get there? That, that's not a thought. I think if somebody wants to relocate, you should first of all go to the environment he's located to. Is that a good church? Is that a good school for my children? Before you go? No, they say, well, we're going to get that bridge, we'll cross it. Ah. The bridge may have collapsed before you got there. <laughs> 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 and you'll get there to find that there's no bridge to cross. Praise the Lord. It is. It's, I, I, it bothers me when people say they are relocated out of out of state, out of the country, and I ask them, "Is there a good church there for you? You that you are under a good church here, and they are still struggling like this. You not go to where there's no church, where there's no word of God. What will happen to you?" Uh-uh. I said to one of my brethren who was trying to move out, I said, ah, you are facing God like this. You are going through all this trouble. What if you turn your back? There's no ammo at the back. Keep seeking God. The plan of God in your life keep changing. But because of that, you need to keep seeking him to know when God is about to move. I'm sure you've read the story of um, Elijah before. In First Kings chapter seventeen, verse two, when Elijah prophesied that at my word, First Kings chapter seventeen, verse one, at my word, there'll be no rain, there'll be no. And I, just, I, I was meditating on that one day, and I said, "Wow, some people know God, though. <laughs> you are in a country, and you are prophesying that in that country there'll be no rain, there'll be no water. At my word, 
you, you just trapped yourself into the trouble. And guess what? God didn't say anything until after he prophesied to, to, to King A. Yeah. After, after the prophecy. Second, 17, I mean, sorry, first Kings chapter 17, verse 2. God told him, in verse 3, sorry. He said, get away from here and turn his sword and hide at the brook cherry, which rose to Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook and I've commanded you and a raven will feed you there. There's a place called there in our lives. Everybody will find that. I don't know whether to understand. Place of war, place of worship, where to live. All these things are not by chance. They're not coincidence. You just don't, we're Christians, but believers. You just don't make up your mind. I'm not living in this street again. I'm going to the next street. He doesn't work that way. I live in a place in Lagos where where we got there was a nice community, but now, I don't know whether I know the boys, they call it area boys. You know, I come to my area and then when, when friends and relatives come to visit me and they come with a good car, while they're waiting at my gate to drive in, they're just around them. And I said, let me move out of here. And the Lord said, stay. Stay. No, when, when I said, I want to move out, I said, not now. Three years ago. Three years ago, is it now? Not now. I just got to approve that if I want to move, now I can move. I don't know what God, why? They didn't tell me the reason. He, he, sometimes it, they will not tell you why. They just say you stay. Or say you go. Why should I go? Just go now. That's all you hear. And if you hear that, don't try to find out why they say you should go now. Elijah was fed by the raven. And then after a while, he changed. He said, okay, pack your bags. I'm going to stay with the widow of Zarephath. Now, you see, that's why some of us have a problem. What if when God tell, told Elijah, move, he said, no, I prefer it here. It's cool here. Everything's fine here. I just want to stay here. Supply will cease. And then guess what? Fasting and praying will start. Or begin to say, oh, my enemies have finally caught up with me. You know, when our brother shared his testimony, stayed, things began to work out, have a baby after waiting for eight years. I was just thinking in my mind, what if he has moved? They would have brought the baby to New Jersey, he would be in Texas. And we say, why is my problem still continuing? No, the angel came. Because in the agenda of heaven, you're supposed to be in New Jersey. Angels don't go to where you are. They go to where God sent them. So we need to keep seeking God. And time is fast going. Let me, let me try and see whether I can share about three or four of this. Number four, I, I said, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. God has specific plans for everyone. And it's very important to know his will. You will not find it accidentally, like I said before. As we seek him, we find it. And another important thing in finding God's will is it's, it's, you must delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 34 verse, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and it shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, 
the light of serving the Lord, it will give you desires of your heart. Now, message transition meeting brought you to our level. Message transition says, keep company with God. Keep company with God. You know what it means to keep company with someone? Uh, when people say, when somebody says, I, I used to tell young ladies in my church, he says, when he says uh, somebody wants to marry them and uh, they've suddenly settled to marry the person, I say, if you want to know exactly who the person you want to marry is, exactly who the person is, ask him, who is your best friend? Don't study the man, study his best friend. That's exactly who he is. Because for you, you pretend. He wants to impress you. But his best friend will behave the way they behave when they're together. Now, the Bible is saying, keep company with God. Keep company with God. There are things that God said to me. And I asked God, what, uh, what can I do with this formation? I said, no, I'm just telling you. There was a time somebody was very ill, and they were calling pastors to pray for him. And then they came to call me to say, ah, why don't I come and pray for this person? And I was really wanting to go because I felt maybe if I pray, it could get better. And the Lord said to me, don't go. He will soon die. And don't let them put your name on the list of pastors that prayed for him before he died. So I saw the person. I couldn't. I said, what do I do? He said, no, I'm just telling you the reason why you should not go. Don't go. Keep company with God. And then three days after the guy died, and exactly what God told me. He said, hey, hey, we don't know why he died. Reverend Susan also prayed for him. Bishop Susan also came to pray for him. Uh, this person came to pray for him. That's why I said, Pastor Fashtu came and prayed for him. <laughs> <laughs> there are some things that God spares you because you keep company with him. The light yourself in the Lord. Of recent God has been telling me things that I don't, he will just tell me things that I don't. A young lady was pregnant in one of those pastors, and then he came to me. I said, "Have you?" I knew I was going to travel, so I was asking her. I said, "Oh, um, what the sex of your children?" She told me she's expecting two twins. I said, "What's the sex?" I don't know. I said, "This guy never picked it." And then I walked away, and the Lord said to me, "She's expecting two girls." Tell her. I said, "What my own? What's my own?" <laughs> What's my own now? <laughs> now you know I didn't tell I didn't tell her, but God told me after. I said sometimes I just wanted to 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 confirm your ministry to them, and I missed that chance. You know what I would have meant to that girl, and then she delivered. She had two girls. Ah, praise the Lord. But when you keep company with God, there are things He begins to reveal to you beyond what you even need for yourself. But a lot of believers have gotten this. The, the, when you look at the, the one in King James, they delight yourself in the Lord and you get desires of your heart. A lot of people have gotten it wrong. They think that if they delight in the Lord, he will just give them the desires of their heart, whatever they think or whatever they like. That's what that scripture is saying. That's what he's saying. He said, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will put his desire in your heart. That's what you to do. So, you're a young man who wants to marry. Your delight is yellow girls, tall and slim. But that was the plan for your life. So as you begin to seek him, he put a fat black one in your heart. 
don't know. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just nobody told me anything. I'm just I'm just <laughs> now, so so <laughs> no <laughs> I don't know whether that's what I'm trying to say. So when, when we talk about delight yourself in the Lord, God will dance of your heart, he, it is it is God takes his wrong the wrong desires you have out and he puts his own desire according to his plan in your heart. And it can apply for any other thing, apart from women. You may, not, you may like to move out of New Jersey, but the plan of God for you is not to go to Texas. It's to go to, is there any rural area? Any, any not too good? <laughs> I didn't say it, but they say Trenton. <laughs> and I said, okay, so this, but you find out that if, if that is where God wants you to be, to prosper, you just suddenly begin to like the place. And that's what and that's what we get by delighting ourselves in the Lord. You know, and one sure way to delight ourselves in the Lord is to continuously study the word of God. So I've added something to it now. I've added studying to pray, studying to seeking God. Continue to study. You say, where will I get time to do all this? Create it. All of us have 24 hours. Nobody has 23, nobody has 25. Create it. I'm sure you may look at me and say, this man doesn't understand this America. Well, <laughs> I live in Lagos too. Our problems are not the same. You know, <laughs> we, do, we don't do three, four jobs, but at least you, you, can, you, can, you can use four hours to travel in a place where you cannot take more than 30 minutes. Traffic. But uh, that one has been, it's getting better now because fuel just moved from 185 <laughs> 185 naira per liter to 588 naira per liter. So suddenly, everybody started keeping their cars at home. So one of the ways to delight ourselves the Lord is to spend time with God in the Word. Look at Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. He said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the godly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the season of discomfort. He said, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates day and night. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. But he keeps company with the law of the Lord. Spend time in the world, brethren. It's profitable for everything. Verse 3 says, It shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Everybody likes verse 3. He says, It shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bring forth its fruit in its season. Whose seeds also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall what? Prosper. The prosperity you get is as a result of your delight in the word of God. It's as a result of keeping company with God. Because I'm moving fast now. Can I can I see the time? Thank you. Alright, number five. If you want to succeed, make up your mind to be a blessing. Even before things begin to happen for you. Make up your mind to be a blessing. Make up your mind to be a blessing. You cannot go too far if all you are thinking about is yourself only in this kingdom. People who are successful carry a lot of people along. They may not have much, but in the records of heaven, a lot of people have stood on their back to see where they're going. The question I'm asking you how many people are standing on your own back? Bible tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he's saying, The Lord, Genesis 12, 1, 
He said, and the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family and from your grandfather's house to land at Ashur. Verse 2 says, I will make, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be what? A blessing. He said, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. If you want to be successful, you must have that at the back of your mind that whatever God blesses me with is not for me only. I will pay my tithes and I will also create time to help those people who are less privileged around me. But I heard I know less privileged people in America. So Now the Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 12 verse 15, uh, Pastor Uzo read that in the morning. You know, about talks about the land of a rich man that brought forth food, brought forth good yield. And he said to himself, he said to himself, I will pull down my bands. Now, his land brought forth good yield. And all his thoughts was himself. He didn't even talk about his wife. He didn't talk about his children. Maybe he doesn't have, but I think he should have. But all he was thinking about, I will do this, I'll do that. I'll, I'll build a bigger store. Now, and, and, and maybe he said, I will retire early. You know, that's, that's, I don't know here, yeah, but that's the syndrome in my country now. People want to retire at 40. I said, why do you want to kill yourself? If you retire at 40, what will you be doing? He said, no, I want to make a lot of money. It is all scriptural. Keep walking. Keep serving. Until your time is up on earth. Retire to do what? We're not created to retire. We're created to work until you are tired. <laughs> it's all the same thing. So this man retired early because God blessed him. And God showed up in verse, in Luke chapter 12, 20. So, and God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be what? Required of you. Then whose will those things which you have provided for? He says, so, it, so is it, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and not rich towards God. So when you lay treasures up, so you want to succeed so that you can lay up treasure for yourself? God is not interested in you. God is not interested in it. I was, um, some, sometimes that in the year, I can't remember that pastor, I remember he called me and we were talking about the poor and all the rest. And uh, we spoke a lot for about 45 minutes on that. And then when he dropped the phone, the Lord said to me, he says, he says, he says, I love the poor. I say, and if you're ready to be a blessing to them, I will bless you. You know, there's a scripture in the book of Proverbs that says, he who gives to the poor, lended unto the Lord. He say, and God says, I will pay back. My last daughter, I always like it when I say, can I have a 1,000 naira from you there? Because she knows that when I'm going to... She will ask for the money. He knows that when I want to pay back, if I give her 1,000, say, ah, daddy, how now? Uh, how can you give me, you give me 1,000, I give 1,000 back. And I always say, anybody that gives to the poor, lend it unto God. I, I like to lend God money. Because when he wants to pay back, he doesn't pay back what you have given to him. He pay back a hundredfold, a thousand folds. I'm not doing it because, now, you, you know, some of us may hear now and say, okay, let me start giving so that God will give me 100 for. No, no, no. Then, yeah, yeah, suddenly I become a businessman. 
You are not doing intention to be a blessing. You are doing it because you want to get back from God. It should be a lifestyle. It should be a way of life. That you look at people who don't have, either around you here or outside of here, relatives, friends, and be a blessing to them. Not only that, it's, it's, it's by sowing in the life of who don't have that we can take treasure from earth to heaven. I don't know whether you understand that. If you die and they bury you with your money, you're in trouble. I don't know about here. But if you do that for you in Nigeria, bury you with your money, you will not rest in peace. <laughs> you will not rest in peace. I'll give you two nights. They will put your body aside and. and <laughs> the most ever, somebody that was buried with a luxurious wrapper. You know, they, they wore a very nice dress, put chain on the person. They didn't, he didn't, he didn't rest in peace. Oh. <laughs> that same night, they came and removed the chain, removed the lace. They said, those of us are alive. We have not put on gold chain. You are putting gold chain on a dead man. They removed the thing. They removed. But there's a way to send your treasure to heaven. In Luke chapter 18, there's a man that came to Jesus, the rich young ruler, and then he was asking, what can I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And God told him everything, told him everything. He said, all this is I've been doing for my youth. And then God says, one, one thing you lack in Luke 18, 22. So, so Jesus had these things and he said to him, you still lack one thing. He says, sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. I think everybody should have a desire to have treasure in heaven. Not on earth there. We have more than rot can deal with it. We are not too sure about how secure they are. So, if you are really interested in succeeding, you must have others in mind. All right, I can see my time increased. <laughs> okay, verse number six now. I'm, I'll soon finish. I said this one, don't skip rehearsals if you, if, you want to, if you want to be successful. Don't skip rehearsals or, or trading classes. You know, everyone who wants to succeed, you need to show up for rehearsals every day. Most people want to succeed, but they don't want to show up for rehearsals. They want to come on the match day. You know, on the day they want to play the final match, that's why they want to show up. People who want to succeed, don't do that. There are days of small beginning. Everybody must go through that process. Go through the process. We have, a, we have a, a small loan scheme in our church. And I, and I thank God for the privilege because it's been sponsored by, I think, the missions group of this church. They give us some money to people to start small-scale businesses. You know, we found out, we found out that the people who take money to start business, they've never done a business before. They don't pay back as low as 20,000 naira, they don't pay back. But the ones who are in business already, that they want to enlarge their business, they always pay back. So there's something about practice making perfect. When you skip classes, you can't be a good student. You keep practicing. You keep doing the things that God has told you to do. A lot of people don't want to start small. So when God told them, do this, uh, somebody came to me and said, ah, Pastor, I can preach better than you. I said, really? I said, yeah. 
start from Sunday school. Can I make a Sunday school teacher say, no, 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 I like to start from the puppy. Let everybody hear me. People, people, people like that. I say, so I said to him, I didn't start from here. I started in children's church. <laughs> children's church, not even as a teacher. Bringing children to church. And then we kept going from one level to the other, to the other, to the other. And the same thing in business too. If somebody comes to you and says, uh, give me one million, I know what to do. Don't do that. All the money's going down the drain. What has it done before? I'm sure no good coach will put somebody in of practice into, into, the, in, into the football field on a match day. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. So what I'm trying to say, as Christians, we should show up for the others. When David showed up before Saul, he had a testimony. He said, look, I've killed the beard before. I've killed the lion before. Even this same Goliath will go the same way. There's something to, to show for it. What do you have to show for the business that you're doing, that you want to the next level? What do you have to show for your commitment to the things of God in the church that will take the next level? Why, why are you going around saying, oh, they're very partial in this church? I've been around for a while, and they're not considering me to be a pastor. That's how we do it. <laughs> you go from one level to the other. Prove yourself in this area, and then you go to the next class. We're looking for skillful people. You know, like I said, I, 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 I used to work in the building industry because I'm almost out completely now. And then I remember one time they made, somebody made a furniture for someone. And then it turned out to be very bad. And then while the person who introduced him to the client was saying, ah, he says, the person is a pastor. So he says, ah, but the man is born again. And he says, I'm, I'm not looking for a born again furniture. <laughs> ah, I'm looking for a good furniture. You know, so, so they're not. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody wants to hire people. I hire people who are not skillful, but they're Christians. You know, you want the skill first when it comes to business. Have you? Even with other Christians, I, I like to, I'm always very weary when I want to employ somebody and they come holding the Bible in their hands. I'm always very weary. <laughs> because they, they know I'm a pastor, so they come with the Bible and say, bless you, sir. Bless you, sir. I say, oh, no, no, come, let me find out you're a Christian from the way you do your job. Put skill in it. Guess what, Christians, we, we don't, I don't know here, but in my country, we don't want to develop skill. We think prayers can make everything. Become skillful. Be a skillful accountant. Be a skillful furniture maker. No, nobody's looking for a born again furniture. We're looking for a nice furniture. Now when you sit on it or sleep on it, the bed will not collapse. That's what we're looking for. When the bear collapsed, was there, but he was a born again carpenter. So well. So what? <laughs> Grow your skill. When Saul was in trouble in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 15, when Saul was in trouble, guess what? He was looking for someone who was skillful in playing the instruments. I mean, I listened to your services online. You got skillful instrumentalists here. Yeah? They played well. If they were not playing well, maybe some of us will not watch you online. So what is this? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because of my time, I go to the last one. 
Always show gratitude to God. If you, if you are not grateful for where you are, forget about going to the next level. Thank God for where you are. Thank God for where you are. I had a story, I don't know how true it was, but I had a story about a, a young man who went to the bush, wanted to kill himself. He wanted to commit suicide. He had tied the rope and everything. And somebody who came to take his bath in the stream was watching. So he knows, what are you watching? Take your eyes away from me. What are you watching? He said, okay, what are you waiting for? He said, no, she want to kill yourself. I'm waiting for you to die so that I remove your clothes. I don't have clothes to wear. <laughs> show, show, show gratitude to God for where you are. <laughs> so, 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 so you're complaining that you're tired of life. Somebody, somebody has no clothes. Key yourself, let me remove your clothes now before we come and find out that uh, you're committing suicide here. Show gratitude to God for wherever you find yourself. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 16. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. It's a prayer without ceasing. Verse 18 says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know? I'm grateful to God. Most of the time, we get drums or clothes from here in our church. I wish some of you can come around and see what some of my brethren do with those clothes. They iron them well. They put starch on it. And they appear in church on a Sunday morning with them. You'll be excited. You'll be grateful to God that this is your seat prospering in somebody's hands. Show gratitude to God. Your problem is not the worst. You're not the only one in it. Everybody has what they carry. I just told you about a very rich man, maybe highest four in Nigeria. You will look at him and admire him. He can't sleep in the night. He can't. That's the person you're admiring. Oh, yeah, come and take his problem and, and take, take what I have and let me give what you have. You will not be excited about that. Show gratitude to God for where you are. Show gratitude to God. Psalm 69 verse 30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgivings. When you, when you talk about magnifying God, glorifying God, there's, there's a story in Luke 17 about the 10 lepers that um, God healed. And Bible says that one of them, when he found out he was healed, he returned and gave glory to God. The same word that is translated magnified was translated glorifying God. What does it mean? Make God bigger in your sight. Not the problem. Not the problem. Not the problem. Not the issues. And we're thinking, bigger than all my, bigger than all my problems. Bigger than everything God is. Bigger than every mountain. And then you go to the hospital and say, you have this sickness. You know, and the doctors have a way of, uh, doctors are here, I'll never know talk. <laughs> the doctors have a way of making the thing look very bad. They give you one big name, it's this Jacqueline Spacosos. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you say, what? No, one day I follow someone to the hospital. I, I, I don't go to the hospital, I follow somebody. And then it was, the guy has some simple malaria. And then they give you one big name. I say, ah, what is this? So I said, doctor, please, can you break it down? They say it's uh, malaria with uh, something. Uh -uh. And is this what you gave this big name? 
But, but you see, but you see, rather, rather than you hear such a thing, you hear such a thing, rather, rather, rather than say, no, 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 no. The word of God says that by the stripes of Jesus have been made whole. The word of God says that my fulfilled words of as I had the prophet, that Jesus took my infirmities and above my sicknesses. He said, oh, and then quickly pick your phone. You Google it, Jacqueline's Bacosisas. <laughs> and then the first thing you see is that in seven days you will die. <laughs> and then guess what? People, people, and then you see, you begin to cry. Cry for what? You know, I said to I said to them, I was preaching somewhere and I said to them, I said, there's something Apostle Paul knows that we don't know. He was debating whether to die or to live. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, I don't even know which one I want to do. He said, but for your sake, I'll stay. Me too, I'm, I'm saying the same thing. For your sake, I'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I come next year, I'll be the statue. <laughs> I will stay. <laughs> but listen, we should not be afraid of dying. Let me tell you, it's a win-win situation. So the doctor goes to the hospital and says, you have this terrible sickness. It's a win-win situation. If you are healed, you stay here and minister to us. If you die, you go to heaven and begin to work on the city of gold. In everything, magnify the Lord. Give God praise for who he is. It's not about to change. And you're not changing because of your issue. As I close, in Acts chapter 16, and I want to understand this one. In Acts chapter 16, Apostle Paul, Paul and Silas. They were right in the center of the will of God. Go and read that place, Acts 16. God was the one that told them, go to Macedonia. Long, long, long story make short, they were put to jail. They flogged their backs where well, and they put them in jail. They were not singing. If it was you and I, say, ah! Right in the center, maybe say, Paul and Silas, maybe you didn't hear God well. Right. Nobody knows the trouble. Right. I'm going, no, 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 no. They were singing praise to God, and the prisoners had them. They magnified God, but not the problem. No matter what problem you have, brethren, it will come to pass. It will surely come to pass. That's why we seek God. That's why we, all I want to be sure is I am right in the center of the plan of God. If you are there, it's a matter of time. I'll stop at this point. The Lord bless you. But I want to say to you, find the plan of God. Make up your mind. You know, on the 30th of June, I don't know what I was doing. I just made up my mind. I said, Lord, I signed a new friendship contract with you that I want to be your friend. I want to be close to you. I want to have a close, personal, intimate relationship with you. So that, I, I'm, I'm 64. I said to myself, you got to give me another 16 years. If anybody cries, just look for money and send to them. At 80, in Nigeria, a life expectancy is 48 for men, 51 for women. And I'm 64. I'm grateful to God. I'm not ready to go yet. Because I still want to minister to you. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is this. Let us understand very well that God is a good God. Regardless of what you are going through. It's a matter of time. If you seek him, he will show you the way of escape. 
shall by thy hands us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this privilege. Help us, Lord. Not take it for granted. All of us there to succeed, but our success is a function of what you have planned us to do. Help us, Lord, as men whose wives and children are depending on, whose relatives are depending on, to find the plan of God for our lives so that we can succeed, so that the people that need for us to lift up will be lifted up, and the name of the Lord shall be glorified. We thank you because you help us. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that you will live, you will not die, to declare the glory of God to your generation. That men will see you and they will see the beauty of God in your life and they want to come to serve your God. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.